Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Breaking news, WABC. And tonight here on Cats and Cosby, Rita Cosby here. John Katsimatidis is traveling today. Big news on the presidential front. South Carolina Senator and former presidential candidate Tim Scott endorsing Donald Trump. Boy, is that a snub. He is, of course, from South Carolina, Nikki Haley's home state. And joining us here in studio to talk about all this and so much more, we have great Judge Richard Weinberg. We also have New York State GOP Chair Ed Cox and former Governor David Patterson. And uh, Ed Cox, this is a biggie because Nikki Haley actually helped get Tim Scott elected, and he says, I'm going for Trump. It just shows where things are going. Actually, endorsements don't necessarily help you that much. Uh, obviously, when Ramaswamy got out, that helped them because that shifts those votes over to Donald Trump in the in the polls. But normally an endorsement does not. But it shows where things are going. Yeah, and also uh, VP. There's a lot of talk today. VP, what are you hearing, Ed Cox? Uh, for Vice President uh, Elise Stefanik, uh, you know, Donald Trump said that he knows who his vice presidential candidate and someone who just recently distinguished herself by getting the president of Harvard fired by the simple question she asked in the hearing. And by the way, in history of social media, that has had the most views of any hearing in the House of Representatives. She so it, was amazing. She, amazing, amazing impact. And Governor Patterson, we were talking the other big news. Alec Baldwin uh, now has been indicted by a grand jury uh, firing the gun. They say involuntary manslaughter. Your reaction, Gov Patterson? Well, it's kind of hard. Involuntary man, uh, manslaughter is a strange term. And I just, I'm surprised that they indicted him. You know, with, with all of his other problems, I didn't think he did anything deliberately. And if it was involuntary, um, if they're saying, well, he didn't check the gun at first, maybe that's how they got to involuntary. But I don't really understand that indictment. Yeah, we'll see. We're going to, in fact, later on the show, we're going to be talking to Greg Jarrett, everybody, Fox News legal analyst. We'll ask him about that. Hunter, Fannie Willis, there was so much coming up. We also have New York, uh, New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu, who's going to be talking about the New Hampshire primary. But first, we go to Curtis Sliwa. Curtis, there is so much happening on the subways. These serial slashers, fill us in. Well, it's uh, turned out that if you have a Ginzu knife uh, or a Rambo knife, uh, you practice on subway strap hangers. And as the weather has gotten cold, the thugs and the thugettes have gone into the system. So just to give you an example, you had Wednesday morning at 6 o'clock, rush hour, right? Person gets stabbed on the D train. In a little while, a 19-year-old is stabbed up on East 108th on the 2 train. Same person. Turns out the cops clip him because they were looking for the greeter, remember, from Woodhull Hospital. So they had an all-points bulletin looking out for him, and they run into this guy, Mark Ford, who it turns out stabbed these two people that morning, had 21 previous arrests, five felony assaults, and he's out walking the streets. Then you had a girl gang that attacked a 30-year-old woman at the Bowling Green station, slashed her up. You had another gang attack a pedestrian, excuse me, a passenger at Mashula Parkway, 
at about 5.30 at night. So you see all these stabbings taking place in the subway, and it gets down to this one factor, uh, Rita. If you don't control who comes into the system at the turnstiles, you lose control of the system, and that's where we're at now. You know what's wild? Uh, we were talking about this, Curtis Lee, that the first person, the slasher, the hospital greeter, had no priors, right? He passed a background check. That is scary as heck. No priors. I uh, grew up in Wine Dance, had nothing but rave reviews as a, a good kid, uh, lived in a house in Jamaica, no problems. And in between the stabbing spree, actually returned to the hospital, Woodhull, to greet other patients being processed into the ER before he was finally clipped. So uh, it's uh, it's run amok in the subways. Crime, I don't care what they say about the stats. It is dangerous in the subways. They don't have enough cops, and they don't control the turnstiles. And uh, real quick, uh, Patterson. Uh, Curtis, do you think that the proliferation of these incidents is inciting other people who might have mental health challenges or some other kind of problem? Because the, 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 the greeter, I mean, his case is strange because all of a sudden he goes off and stab, stabs six people, and he'd never really done anything that was antisocial in the past. You're correct. He did not fit. Uh, the prototype, you couldn't profile him and saying, boy, this is a guy who would take out a knife and would start to indiscriminately just start stabbing people. So something obviously went off in this guy. But the rest of them, it looks like organized gang activity, organized mayhem in the subways. Uh, as uh, you said, Chairman Cox, if it leads, it, it bleeds. bleeds. All right. And there's a lot of blood in the subways. Sadly. Wow. Curtis Lewa, thank you very much for the update. Nobody knows the subways better than you, my friend. Thanks so much. And joining us now here on Cats and Cosby, we have New York City Councilwoman Vicki Palladino. Uh, Councilwoman, we have so much to ask you about. First, I got to ask you, you were with Ed Cox, right, at this event we were there. for Mozzie Pillup, right? And yes, so, uh, yes. and then what all these crazy protesters, uh, the ceasefire protesters come in, talk yes. us about us. Well, what happened was they, you know, it was an open event. So they came in, you know, you don't know who's who or what's what. You know, they don't wear anything specific so that they could be singled out. Uh, and then as soon as Mozzie got up to speak, one pop- person pops up in one area, another one pops up in another area of the room. You know, we have tight security at these things. And, uh, you know, we're always prepared for what might happen. And we shuffled them out. Oh, my guys, they shuffled them out as they needed to be escorted out. Uh, it was it was a bit of mayhem because the woman was speaking. You know, she was trying to get her message out, and we had these pop ups all over the room simultaneously. One did one thing, another. and like I said, it was handled. They were taken out, but this is what we see happening now. Uh, they were protesting in front of Bob Holden's office this afternoon. So uh, these people are brazing. They're going to show up anywhere they want. Because they're allowed to do this. Yeah, it's so, crazy. It is crazy. They were at Sloan Kettering the other day, the cancer oh, center. Crazy. Was, Let's go it, to it, it, it was very organized, but Mozzie still got her message out. I mean, the speech is there. Mozzie's speech Absolutely. really good. Yes. I said to Mozzie, don't let this distract you. Just keep going. And I said, I will not allow these people to, to disrupt this fabulous meeting that we were having with Nassau County. All right, uh, Vicki, I want to move on also to make sure we get into a whole bunch of these other issues. Uh, just in the last few hours, New York City Mayor Eric Adams uh, issued a veto. I'm glad he did 
on these police bills. Uh, there were two yes. of them. There's obviously the police bill where it says they have to do more reports. That's the last thing we want to do is bog down our cops. And the mm-hmm. other is to cancel solitary confinement for uh, bad people, which uh, Curtis knows all too well how important it is uh, to send a message to these folks. Do you now New York City Council can override the veto, right? If they do, you, is there enough votes? I know, I'm sure I know where you stand on this. Uh, but oh, well, what about well, the what know, about what we kind of call the loonies there in the city well, council? No, they're the ones. They're the ones who uh, are going to do their best to make sure the veto doesn't go through by getting a super majority of names on the bill. I believe uh, now. Remember, we're coming into new session, so this was introduced. Uh, in December, you know, uh, or no, the very beginning of January. So a lot, four of those signers are no longer with us, okay, because they got elected out. So we're down, they're down four names right now for them to have a super majority, which is a very good thing. But make no mistake, Adrian Adams put out a tweet today along with uh, our newest council member who is one of the Central Park Five. His name escapes me right now. Yusuf Salam. Yusuf Salam. There you go. And they put him as chairman of public safety. So they plan to death insane right there. So they plan to fight the mayor, and they will fight the mayor every step of the way. Because as soon as anything makes any sense, they've got to do their job, which is to make it not make sense. And the mayor is right. He's talked about it from the beginning that if 586 passes, that he will veto it. I know. What so are they? they have, you know, it's amazing. What are these people thinking, Vicky Palladino? I mean, we, we just think. heard about crime with Curtis. How crazy everything is, and they want yeah. to make bog cops down, not really yep. punish the bad guys. Uh, Judge Weinberg, you've got a question for the councilwoman. So, Vicky, yeah. so they need 34 votes to do the override. Is that correct? Correct. So. Correct. So what are people doing to lobby on this? Because I'm sure if Adrian Adams says this is a leadership bill, she's going to put a lot of pressure on the inside against the council members. 100%. And they will take a knee to Adrian Adams. Because retaliation is key here. What they do is they take away uh, committee spots. You know, uh, they try to, uh, like, zero you out. So I have no problem because I'm a Republican. They don't waste their time with us, you know, and the Common Sense Caucus of nine. So they leave us alone. It's the Democrats who want to stand up but do not stand up. So we're going to have to see how this plays out. Who's going to have the guts not to back down? And uh, uh, Victoria, uh, Vicky, before we let you go, uh, two things uh, real quick. Uh, you want to ask about right. the uh, the Vicky. movement from gas to electric. Vicky, uh-huh. uh, yeah, I have this local joke. law 97, which is uh, supposed to cut down carbon emissions as a mandate 2024, which is this year. More sanctions coming in 2030. The fact of the matter is nobody knows whether it's feasible, workable, what the costs are, how it's going to affect the housing stock. And you have a very good common sense bill to do a feasibility study. Would you tell the people about that, please? Yes, yes. And Vicki, we just got about 30 seconds, Vicki. All right. Let me do this real quick. Uh, I had two bills. One is 913 to do away, delay local law 97. But the important bill, which I have to reintroduce now, is uh, Bill 1266, 
which will create a two-year delay to actually do a feasibility study. Imagine that, which will determine the impact of Local Law 97 on our electrical grid, as well as the financial impact. Now, let me tell you something right now, John. Right now, 2024, it's in effect. Right now, $213 million in fines. By 2030, $902 million in fines. Uh, that's almost a billion dollars in fines in a short period from 24 to 30. And what I have been doing is I have been working steadily since I heard about the passage of this bill in 2019 when I was not an elected. But I knew what was happening because I know people who own co-ops and condos. But here's the thing for anybody who is in commercial property, when uh, when Kathy Hochul did her thing, in, uh, she in, she's implementing it slowly, 2026. But the city council... So bo- bottom line, uh, Vicki, we just have five seconds left. Bottom line. Yeah, go. Go. Bottom line is we're in big trouble unless we get sense and sensibility, which I got two great bills out there. Two great bills out there. And Local Law 154 is going to affect all commercial housing and public schools and buildings thus far over a period of seven years. Well, keep us posted. Wow. What's that? You got a lot on your hopper. Keep us posted, okay? Vicki Palladino, you keep fighting the good fight, all right, my friend? Thank you. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. You too. Thank you you you. very much. And joining us now, we have the governor of New Hampshire, Chris Sununu, who is joining us here on Cats and Cosby. Uh, Governor Sununu, so great to have you here. Uh, Boy, uh, all eyes. Wait, wait, wait. How do I follow that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, governor. Front row for the political circus, but wow, she's a tornado. That she was, is. That was awesome. Yeah, isn't she? By the way, fighting the good fight, and boy, are there a lot of issues, and some of them are oh, translating. Sure. Of course, you got the big New Hampshire primary a few days uh, away. Everybody's looking at you. Um Where is it going and what are the issues? We just heard a lot of the issues here in New York. Uh, what are the issues there? I know there's migration, border economy. What, what, what do you think are the hot ones there? well, a couple of things. I mean, it is growing. Like the momentum's growing, the energy's growing. More and more people are talking about coming out to vote. So we think we're going to have a record turnout here. Unlike Iowa, Iowa was a joke of a turnout. It's going to be record turnout here in New Hampshire. It's exciting because of what you just mentioned. Border security is huge. You know, we all we all wanted the wall. Never got built. Right? That was a big promise. It never was fulfilled. The other big one is the economy. Right? We don't. We don't have sales tax and income tax in New Hampshire. We want to know that the little bit of taxes we do pay are being handled really responsibly. Hasn't happened in decades in Washington. It's become, you know, fiscal responsibility with your money has become an absolute joke. So, yeah, there's a lot of momentum, obviously, behind Nikki Haley. I'm behind Nikki Haley. She represents a, a, this great cons- real conservative brand of responsible government, limited government, and, and people are, are galvanizing behind it. So let me ask you, uh, uh, Governor, because you brought up the wall. Obviously, Trump built it was 500 miles. He did do some of it. But but is it do or die, Governor Sununu there in New Hampshire for Nikki Haley? Uh, Home Depot co-founder Ken Lango, and I'm sure you heard this, uh, said all eyes are on her for New Hampshire, that she's got to have some big results or, quote, you don't throw money down a rat hole. In other words, he may not continue backing her if she doesn't come up really big in New Hampshire. What's big? Well, look, I think a really strong second-place finish, it would be great. That's all we've ever expected. She, I, I have no doubt we can, we can actually do that. 
Um, I mean, if she were to shock the world and, and shock the country and actually beat Trump, that would be amazing, too. And, and she's within a stone's throw of it. That's where all the momentum's going. So it, it is actually possible that that happens, and that gets people really excited. It's not do or die. It's do or die for Trump. I mean, if you think of it that way, he's the only one that said, I'm absolutely going to win. All the media said he was going to win. Folks said he couldn't be beaten. So if you crack that perception here in New Hampshire, everything is on the table. She just needs a strong showing to go in back into her home state. Because, as you know, political momentum is real. And all the polls have it going up and up and up and up. And Trump just kind of maintains his pace right at the 40, 45 percent. But he's still ahead. I mean, if you look at the numbers, he's still far ahead. What's what's a what's a good win for number two? What are you are you talking a few points or right now it's plus 10 spread? A few points would be amazing. No, I think I think, again, with knowing DeSantis isn't really running anymore, you know, he'll get his five percent or whatever it is. I mean, Ron's a great guy, but his race is effectively over. It's a two person race at this point. I think just having a strong second. I mean, I guess we'll see what what the numbers bear out. But I have no doubt she's going to take the fact that she was able to clear the entire field before New Hampshire. No one thought that was possible. The fact that she's giving Trump a run for his money. No one thought that was possible. Right there, she showed she showed strength. And now she goes to her home state with about a month. It's not next week, guys. It's like a month for her to campaign when being the only other candidate with momentum in a state she has won many times before as the conservative Tea Party candidate who turns, you know, conservative South Carolina around and created jobs and opportunity. So all the all the opportunities right there for I don't care what Ken Lang Jones says. I mean, I hope he keeps supporting her, but he's not he doesn't make or break candidates. I mean, there's a lot of folks watching. She's raising money like crazy still. It's, it's wonderful. Um, so, no, she's going to have the resources to continue this on for quite some time. And we're talking to New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu. Ed Cox, you got a question. So, Governor, there's a lot of moving parts here. Christie's out, Ramaswamy's out, there are independents out there. You know the dynamics of New Hampshire better than anyone else. How are all those pieces falling uh, with respect to the uh, to next week, sure. the Tuesday election in New Hampshire? Yeah, we'll leave it to Ed Cox. He always asks, he asks the smartest questions in the room. I love that guy. Wait, wait, wait. I thought I had the smartest questions, but we'll, we'll let Ed we won't too. We, okay. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, most of Vivek's numbers, and not that he had a lot of, you know, call it the 5% of conspiracy theorists that supported Vivek, they're all kind of falling towards Trump. That That's not a surprise. If you look at the last poll, um, Trump went up about seven points. Uh, Nikki went up seven points, too, right? So a lot of the Chris Christie voters may, might be falling. They just want Trump to lose at all costs, so they're going to galvanize behind um, Nikki Haley. Um, then you still have about 10 or 15% that are still kind of sitting out there, right, waiting to see where this goes. And that's New Hampshire. We really don't make up our mind. A lot of our folks don't make up our mind until the very end. And the thing I'll warn everybody about polls is nobody knows what the turnout's going to be like. We, we hear it's going to be a record turnout. That's amazing. But but every time you get a higher and higher voter turnout in an election like this, it usually means the challenger, right? Trump's kind of the incumbent, if you will. He's the known entity, the standard bearer of the party for the past seven years. Higher voter turnout usually very much um, is, is a good good news for the challenger in the race, that being Nikki Haley. So there's a lot of wins at Nikki's back, a lot of momentum. Trump is, isn't even here. I mean, she, Nick, I'm doing like my 10th event of the day, I think, with Nikki Haley today and she's going to keep doing 10 10 events a day right up until the election trump flies in does a rally doesn't answer a question gets on his fancy plane and goes back to the back to the uh, the fancy golf course in mar-a-lago wherever the heck he stays he's not connecting with voters he's not doing the retail work that you have to do to earn the trust of the voters he's the incumbent no one should be surprised that he's leading i mean the guy was president for god's sake 
you almost like to act like he wasn't. But I'll challenge you. He did not build that wall. He did not secure that border. And that those drugs are flooding in here. He was not fiscally responsible. He borrowed seven trillion. Oh, he, he cut taxes. Uh, that was great. But then he borrowed seven trillion dollars to back it up. That's like that's like buying a really nice. Well, house by, by the way, he certainly did a better time. job at the wall than uh, what we're seeing now. That's for sure. Right. It's a disaster. <laughs> it's a disaster. But but I think people are saying, well, Trump didn't get it done. Biden sure as heck threw gasoline on the fire. Let's get someone in there that has a record of success getting stuff done. That's what that's what Nikki brings to the table. Yeah. That can be strong internationally. Trump's out there talking about, oh, I love China and, and Putin's my friend and all that kind of garbage. Those guys are, are America's enemies. Well, I don't need a president of the United States coddling up to that. Well, of course, uh, Trump will say uh, talking to them and sort of the peace through strength. Listen, uh, I think uh, Nikki or uh, Trump, uh, anybody out there is better than what we're seeing now. Believe me, that Without is 1,000 percent for sure. But, for sure. Governor, yeah, uh, thank you. We really appreciate you being here. All eyes are going to be on New Hampshire next week, uh, and we can't wait. And I'm so thrilled you were with us today. You bet. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. And everybody stay with us after the break. Larry Kudlow. We'll find out what's going on with the economy. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And everybody, we are here on Katz and Cosby. And by the way, uh, you just heard John do his famous Anthony line. Friday is pizza day here at WABC. And the great Grimaldi's pizza at the old limelight is the official pizza of 77 WABC. And also we have now the great economist. He's also the top host there on Fox Business. Also has the top show on Saturdays here on WABC Radio. And let's bring in Larry Kudlow. And Larry, also, we also have John Katsimatidis calling in, who is in uh, a little sunnier place. Uh, but John is going to be coming on in just a few moments. But Larry, first, what's the latest with the economy? I saw the S&P had uh, record numbers today, the S&P 500. Yeah, both the S&P and the Dow hit new all-time highs. And one point I want to make here is, this was led by the advanced technology stocks and the AI stocks, you know, and all the really fast, rapid computer stocks, uh, NVIDIA leading the charge. And, you know, there's an important theme. I mean, it's you have these big breakthroughs and they're all good for the economy. Some people are afraid of them. I'm not. Uh, I believe in what Joseph Schumpeter called gales of creative destruction. And you have the new replacing the old. It's kind of like the information revolution that we saw in the 80s and 90s that drove the economy into a good prosperity and a great stock market. We saw it again today. We've seen it a bunch of times. There's no other particular reason there was no great new news. uh, But the stocks themselves just keep running. And this is a very good thing as long as government doesn't stifle uh, what these technologies are doing. This is going to be a wonderful thing for the United States and anybody else that uh, applies these to their businesses. Um, Larry, did you see also um, that Biden did another big student loan debt bailout? Um, it's up to, it's like $5 billion, 74000 more. Uh, we're paying for that. I mean, that's like buying votes. 
He doesn't speak English. The Supreme Court made a ruling that said he can't do that, but he won't speak English. So he keeps going forward with new student loan cancellations. I guess it's going to go to uh, court or something, but you can't do that. So he's breaking the law. Now, there's nothing new there, um, but, yeah, he did one more tranche. But don't ignore this technology story. This is a fabulous story for America. Uh, You know, it's not a political story at all. It's not about New Hampshire. It's not about Trump winning the primaries, although I think he's going to win the primaries easily. I happen to think he's going to be the next president. But I think, you know what? Free markets, smart people, technological innovation, gales of creative destruction. It's a wonderful story. And you're seeing it in the stock market, which is always forward looking. Yeah, absolutely. And Cox has a question for you, Larry. Larry, uh, short term, long term rates, both creeping up. Huge, big deficit, two trillion dollars. It's got to be supported with government debt. Uh, Is there any correlation and uh, is there any signal in that about what's going on? Well, I think rates are long term rates are snugging up because. There's no recession. okay? there's no recession. And there's no reason why the Federal Reserve has to be cutting their interest rates, their Fed funds target rate. There's no reason. We're not in a recession. They still have more work to do on the inflation front. We're not out of the woods there. They're still above their two percent target on inflation, which is still running, you know, somewhere around three and a half to four percent plus with a lot of high prices you know, plaguing middle-class families for affordability. Uh, I don't know. I've never really seen, I know deficits matter, uh, but I've never seen any good arguments or good empirical work that says deficits affect interest rates one way or the other. I think it's all baloney. But I do think that the economy is not slumping, and uh, therefore rates have to adjust up. The 10-year I think jumped up to over 410 today. I think it was 410, 412, something like that. Larry, what about though the cuts? Did you see this in the middle of all this? Um, Sports Illustrated laid off its staff. Macy's slashing 2,000 jobs, closing five stores. So there's still a lot of these kind of dire headlines. Yeah, well, in some sense, Sports Illustrated is getting what it deserves. Their editorial stuff is just so awful. Well, the governor said as long as they keep the photo staff. (laughs) (laughs) You you should, I mean, take a look at the picture at the top of Breitbart on the swimsuit thing. I mean, I I don't know. I haven't read Sports Illustrated in probably 30 years, so it just doesn't have any meaning to me. Um, And there are... But Macy's, Macy's. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I watch ESPN when I want to do sports. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Larry, what do you have on your show coming up, Uh, which, of course, is 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on WABC, and it hits the ratings beyond the stratosphere, as we always say here with John. Yeah, we're going to hit the Milky Way. Um, We'll have, uh, we'll talk some politics. We're going to talk some stock markets. We're going to talk some energy. We're going to talk some Middle East. I don't know. Pakistan, which is a nuclear power, has been bombing Iran. I don't think that's very good either. So we're going to try to cover the waterfront, as we always do, with just a little bit of humor and good cheer. Which we love coming from you. Larry Kudlow, we love you. Thank you so much. I'll be tuning in. I know we'll all be tuning in for all of that at 10 a.m. Thank you, Larry. Have a great weekend, Larry. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we have John Katsimatidis calling in. 
from, I think it's sunny St. Pete, Florida. Uh, John, you got an update from there. I'm so glad you're calling in. Well, St. Pete, you got 361 days out of 365 a year that uh, are sunny. So how can you lose on that? It's, it's sunny almost every day. And uh, don't forget, Rita, only two hurricanes in the last 100 years. So it's a hurricane-free zone. And I tell you, the people really live well down here. But uh, tell Anthony they need some Grimaldi's pizza down here because I've tasted the pizza down here. It's nowhere as good as Grimaldi's pizza in New York. How could it be that New York has the best, you know? It, you New know, York has the best pizza. And, you know, John, it is, uh, it's a little snowy here. We're getting more snow tonight. So everybody here in the studio, first of all, we miss you, uh, but we're jealous because well, you, you guys are doing a great job and, uh, and I'm glad you, you're replacing me. God bless you. <laughs> Nobody can you know, replace. And, John, before we let you go, you're also speaking to some law enforcement groups down there because everybody wants to hear your words of wisdom. Yes, you know, uh, they have a police athletic league uh, here down here, and we met with the kids, and the kids are beautiful, beautiful faces. And uh, uh, since uh, St. Petersburg is going to become another headquarters for Red Apple, we're going to be taking care of the kids in St. Petersburg, Florida, uh, you know why? If we can make the difference in a few kids' lives, what could be better than that? Absolutely. Well, John, we love you. You have a great time there in beautiful, sunny. You show off in sunny weather down there with a freezing cold here. We love you, and we'll, and we'll see you back on Monday, John. Enjoy. I'll see you on Monday, Rita. Thank you, my friend. We love you, John. Thank you. Have a great, great weekend. And everybody, now we have the hot headlines. It's the top news of the day, sponsored by Goya. Here's Rita Cosby. Well, as you just heard right here on Cats and Cosby at the top of the show, actor Alec Baldwin has been indicted for a second time on involuntary manslaughter charges in connection to the onset death of his cinematographer. Also, Congress has avoided a government shutdown. President Biden signed a stopgap funding bill today, keeping the government funded until early March. And President Biden's son, Hunter, will sit for a closed-door deposition in front of federal lawmakers. That's going to take place February 28th. This is part of Congress's impeachment inquiry into Biden, which is investigating cash payments allegedly made to the Biden family by foreign governments. And we're going to be talking with Fox News legal analyst Greg Jarrett about this and so much more later on in the show. And those are your Goya top stories of the day. And everybody stay tuned because here on Cats and Cosby, we're going to go to Texas after the break and get the latest on the mess at the border. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, the border is a big disaster. And joining us now is someone who's right there on the front lines, Texas Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne. Congresswoman, so great to have you here on Katz and Cosby. How are you, Rita? It's good. It's good to be here. You know, you are right in the thick of it. Uh, There's so much going on. First, give us the lowdown, because we're hearing what the Senate is going to send over something to you guys in the House on the border. But what it's allowing a couple thousand illegal migrants to still cross a day. Where is that going to go? 
And let's just put this in perspective. What we've seen since Biden took office three years ago is 10 million people have entered our country illegally. We've had 100,000 people or more die from fentanyl that's entering our country illegally through our poorest borders. We have seen countless numbers of people on the terrorist watch list come over, and we have no idea how many cells are operating and where. That's what we're seeing right now. Under the Biden administration, you have got thousands of people entering the country. I mean, look, we had over 200,000 in December alone, which is reaching records, record numbers. Now, just to give you an idea, under the under the Trump administration, we had about 1,000 or less entering the country. And if it was 1,000, according to people like Tom Homan, um, who was helping run uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement and Border Patrol at that time, those were staggering numbers. We passed, uh, recognizing that this is a crisis and a catastrophe, we passed through the House our HR2, our Border uh, Protection Act, or Secure the Border Act. And that had a number of provisions that would actually secure our borders, including supporting local law enforcement to help work on immigration, including supporting Customs and Border Patrol with giving them additional resources, continuing building the wall, ending the catch and release program, and then also looking at programs that worked, such as Remain in Mexico or the First Safe City Country. All of the First first Safe Country program, all of those have been destroyed under the Biden administration. And we passed, you know, we passed H.R. 2, which is languishing now in the Senate. It's my understanding that the Senate is getting ready to send us a bill that gets rid of most of the provisions that worked and is doing things like setting up um, a, a, a maximum of 5,000 illegals who could enter our country and be processed. 5,000 a day, we're that. talking. Right. 5,000 a day, that's 2 million. It's still 5,000 too many. They're right. normalizing the ridiculous numbers that we have seen that has caused the human trafficking, the child trafficking, the sex slavery that we see in our country today. It's absolutely abysmal. I, I, I think it's ridiculous that they're even throwing that out there. I'm going to continue pushing for HR2, and I would hope that my House colleagues recognize that this is a priority. It's one of the reasons why the Biden Biden numbers have just completely tanked, why it's the number one issue for the majority of Americans across the country, and why we're going to keep fighting for it. Good for you. Yeah, you got to hold the line because Americans are so concerned, as you know. I mean, they're not getting checked. They're getting released into the country. At, and why, why settle for saying, okay, we're only going to fix it just a little bit? Um, also, by the way, Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne, just recently it came out that the DEA seized a record. It was 386 million deadly fentanyl doses in New York alone last year. It's enough to kill every American. Why is the Biden administration and why is even the Senate even saying no more? Don't they care about American lives? You would think that. You would think. And and, and please don't ask me to try to explain, you know, Biden uh, logic because it just doesn't exist. But yeah, we have, we have seen multiple. Uh, you could you could kill multiple numbers of Americans, right? Three, four times over by the amount of fentanyl that entered our country illegally the first year Biden was in office. We continue to see it. It's being supplied by China. It's being manufactured in Mexico, and it's coming over. And and by the way, we have no friend with a Mexican president. Uh, I was down in Mexico City last year speaking with Obrador, and he's he's not uh, he's not doing anything that he he wants to do to be able to protect or partner with, with the U.S. Um, he is fine with the cartels making billions of dollars, making money hand over fist, but it's at the cost of American lives. 
Yeah, it is. It's amazing. Uh, and the moment with him and President Biden standing next to each other it was like, thank you for keeping the border yeah. open. And he's like, oh, thank you. I, I mean, it's amazing. In the middle of all this, though, we are hearing the president uh, was asked, is it a crisis? He would say no. You hear the White House pointing the finger at Republicans. They're all like, you know, playing the blame game because they see it tanking in the polls whenever he's asked, how is he handling the border? Uh, and now in the middle of all this, you there in Texas, uh, they are taking you guys to task because you're arresting illegal migrants. You're you're and also that area on the park, too. They're fighting you yeah. to the nail. Well, and that's, yeah, they're actually suing the, the state of Texas that last year invested $5 billion in doing the job the federal government is doing and doing the job that the federal government has created. This this year they put in their budget almost six um, over oh, almost six point five billion dollars again to do the job that the federal government should be doing and instead of working and partnering with Texas which is doing everything that they can to secure our border and protect our constituents they're suing them Customs and Border Patrol when you go down there and you talk to those folks they want to do their job they want to be able to protect people they want to be able to secure the border instead. You know, with the catch and release program, they're acting as cab drivers. They're acting as babysitters. And the the dollars that the Biden administration have asked to be able to supplement and hire more Border Patrol agents are not focused on securing the border. No. Instead, what they're focused on is, is more more quickly getting illegals into the country, which, again, is why we're not supporting that. You know, the vast number of Republicans in the House are not supporting it. If those dollars are going to be spent, it's going to be spent putting people you know, deporting people who are committing crimes in our country and then turning people away instead of creating what is basically a vacuum um, that's pulling people in. Again, you know, part of the the, the Senate bill is, is my understanding is that not only is it putting a cap of 5,000 people per day, but it's also creating, you know, um, work exemptions. So we're allowing people to actually work now who are entering our country illegally. It is insane. Is, it's this ridiculous. It's a ridiculous concept. Congresswoman, thank you so much. It is great to have you here on the show. Thank you so much. you got to come back thank on again so much, soon. Rita. You have a great night. Great. Thank you so much, Congresswoman. Well, let's go from our border security. Let's go to global security. And joining us now here on Cats and Cosby, we have Victoria Coates, former Deputy National Security Advisor under President Trump. Uh, Victoria, did you see today uh, Benjamin Netanyahu said, "I, you know, no, there's not going to be, you know, a two-state deal. But then the EU is pushing and saying, well, we might impose it on you. This is unbelievable. No, it is. Happy Friday, team. It, this is just you know, the, the most recent European kind of betrayal of Israel trying to insist that we now reward the Palestinians with some kind of state, given what they did on October 7th. I can only imagine what they would do with with some kind of, of, of actually the resources of a nation. So this is ridiculous. The United States should be speaking out with a, just one voice in absolute opposition to this. And, you know, uh, Victoria Coates, uh, did, uh, since we spoke, because we, you were on the show when we're like, why hasn't Biden put back the terror, foreign terrorist designation on the Houthis? These are these Iran-backed militia groups that keep firing on U.S. troops and others. Um, finally, he kind of puts it back on, but it's like a half measure. I mean, what is it going to take? Yeah, it's terrorism light uh, is what I'm calling it. And there's a massive exemption in it for uh, oil sales. So the Iranians won't be hit by secondary sanctions. We'll, we'll continue to keep those 
2 million barrels of oil a day to which the Biden administration is addicted on the market. So this is meaningless. Uh, Victoria Coates, Judge Weinberg's got a question for you. Welcome back, Victoria. Good to talk to you again. Let me ask you this question. What is it going to take for Biden to do the right thing and going after the Houthis and going after Iran? What do we have to wait to happen? Unfortunately, Judge, I think we're going to have to have uh, a mass mass casualty uh, episode. They're going to have to get lucky. Fortunately, they're not very good shots. They've been firing lots of stuff at us. It hasn't really been landing. But it's a matter of time when we let them do this with impunity before they do actually hit some of our folk. And we are dragged in some sort of godforsaken war in Yemen, which should be our top priority to avoid. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what a mess. Uh, Judge Weinberg, you got another quick question for her? So what do we do if we're just citizens trying to protect our country and our national interests? What do we do in, at this time to, to fight back against this indifference of the Biden administration? Well, it's really all we have, Judge, is literally a one-person majority in the House of Representatives. And that's why these budget fights we're engaged in are so incredibly important. This is the only mechanism we have to modify Biden's behavior is by threatening to withhold the money he wants for his woke domestic programs. And so I think we need to stand with the Congress, hold the line, hold their feet to the fire and demand that we actually do some things for our security. First and foremost, yes, on our border, but also in the Middle East. Yeah, hold the line. Uh, they can't start negotiating when it comes to safety and security of our country and, and of the world. Everybody's watching. Uh, former Deputy National Security Advisor Victoria Coates, thank you so much for joining us. We love having you on. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much. And everybody stick with us here on Cats and Cosby. Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst, has some big updates on the Fannie Willis case and Hunter Biden. Stick with us. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. John will be back on Monday. By the way, he's got a blockbuster show, so make sure you tune in to the Cats Roundtable. This Sunday morning, he's got Mike Pompeo and a whole bunch of others, a blockbuster show, as he always does. And we continue here in studio. We have Judge Richard Weinberg, Ed Cox, and also Governor David Patterson. And joining us now is the great Fox News legal analyst, Greg Jarrett. He's also the author of another big best-selling book, The Constitution and Other Patriotic Documents, edited by Greg. Uh, it is an awesome book uh, and fabulous. And boy, it could not be more timely. Uh, Greg, you know, what's happening with the DA in Georgia? Now there is going to be a date, it's in February, where there's going to be a hearing. It might be televised. This case, I, I mean, to me, it looks like such a conflict of interest, her and her alleged lover. Yeah, it's unethical. Uh, and you will now be forced in court to answer the accusations against her uh, in the Trump case that she hired her lover, who was unqualified, paid him a whopping $654,000, and then together... They used some of the taxpayer money for a lavish romantic vacation. You know, uh, Rita, that kind of collective self-enrichment is known in the law as honest services fraud, misappropriation of public funds. Um, And their relationship, which, by the way, neither one has denied, is, as you point out, a serious violation of ethical rules governing prosecutors having a personal interest in the outcome of the case, 
uh, an affair with your subordinate while working on the case, and, and the appearance of impropriety. So if proven true, it demands her disqualifications because she's tainted the case. But, you know, it may not be enough to get the charges against Trump and others dismissed. Yeah, it's, it's like a modern-day soap opera, Judge Weinberg. <laughs> Greg, welcome back to the show. I'll tell you what upsets me more than the, the love allegations between the prosecutor and her special counsel is that the special counsel goes to the White House twice for eight hours stints talking to senior advisors and members of the uh, counsel staff on the case. What is that all about? Why isn't that enough to throw out the case? Well, Judge, it does put a lie to Fannie Willis's earlier statement that her prosecution of Trump was never discussed, never coordinated with his election opponent. Look, I think all four indictments were highly planned and coordinated. They were all rather conveniently timed so that the trials would occur right in the middle of an election. You know, this was their plan A. Let's knock him out with indictments. When that boomeranged uh, and Trump's support went up, they kicked plan B into, uh, in, into action, and that was let's kick him off the ballot under this contorted uh, version of the 14th Amendment, which is absurd, as you know. Now, that's a ridiculous argument. The other thing I want to get your comments on, I, I happen to believe that there's a very strong argument with respect to the so-called allegations of interference with the election and the process for January 6th, the, the District of Columbia case, on presidential immunity. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think it's a legitimate argument, immunity. What's also interesting, Judge, is the U.S. Supreme Court has already decided to take up a different argument that's pivotal to Jack Smith's uh, case against Trump, and that is obstruction of an official proceeding. Uh, this is relative to other J6 defendants. And if the Supreme Court knocks that out, and I think they will, that takes away a substantial portion of Jack Smith's indictment against uh Donald Trump. What do you think is going to happen uh, also with the 14th Amendment stuff, too, Greg? That's where they're trying to kick Maine and Colorado, trying to kick Trump off. Trump said he did in a filing a couple hours ago where he said it will be bedlam. I mean, I, you can't have these like uh, just some secretary of state say, oh, I'm going to kick Trump off. I mean, that's preposterous. Yeah, uh, look, the, the argument that he can be removed from the ballot based on Section 3 of the 14th Amendment is laughable. And it's an assault on our Constitution and our democratic principles. It's, it's election interference. It's ballot rigging because you are disenfranchising voters. First of all, Section 3 doesn't apply to the position of president. It spells out who it applies to. Second of all, um, making this sort of decision by fiat uh, that he's guilty of insurrection without ever being charged or tried or convicted deprives him of due process. And, and finally, the 14th Amendment is not self-executing. Read Section 5. Congress has the power to enforce it, which they did by codifying insurrection as a criminal offense, which, again, Trump hasn't been charged with. Ed Cox? You know, normally this uh, Supreme Court likes to put these cases off, but they cannot put off the cases, kick him off the ballot. He's, they're going to have to decide those. And that's really the beginning 
of a series of cases they will have to decide. You saw the Meese case coming up too with, with, right. uh, yeah, all those. And, uh, this is, I feel the beginning of the end of these indictments. They're going to be very tarnished as, uh, as these cases are decided. Yeah. The 14th Amendment case, uh, it was stunning the alacrity with which the Supreme Court took it up because they know what's at stake here. And they also know that Democrats, for political reasons, are mangling the 14th Amendment and its meaning. Uh, so this should be an easy case. It's a no-brainer. A first-year law student could decide it. should be a <laughs> unanimous decision. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. But the, the hearing is coming up. Yeah, it is. By the way, I have uh, three really smart lawyers here in the room with me, Greg, and now I have you on the phone, so that makes four. Um, real quick, Hunter Biden, we just have a few seconds left. He's going to be, uh, he's agreed, it sounds like, February 28th. Uh, the Gov and also Ed Cox said uh, he may take the fifth or want a fifth uh, before he goes in there. What do you think <laughs> is going to happen? Yeah, this has the earmarks of a charade. Hunter pretending he'll answer questions. He won't. He'll take the fifth. He was always going to do that. I mean, if he lied when confronted with evidence of influence, Bedellini would be charged with perjury. If he tells the truth, he'll implicate himself. So he'll take the fifth. All right. So that means uh, the Gov and Ed are correct, I guess, on that one. All right. And Judge Weinberg and you. All right. Even worse, implicate his father. That's the real issue. That's true. That's true. All right, Greg, uh, thank you so much, my friend. We appreciate you being here. Greg Jarrett. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And everybody, what do we all stand for, guys? Truth, justice, and the American way. Everybody have a great weekend and try to stay warm in this cold weather. John will be back Monday.